Bound only by the paper-thin wrapper of mortality, a soul here lies, struggling to be free. And so it shall, thanks to a bowl of bad gazpacho. Hello and welcome back to Laps Gamer Radio. This week we'll be delving into the Day of the Dead Noir adventure game Grim Fandango. My name is Mark and I'm an elemental spirit summoned from the land of the dead itself, given one purpose, one skill, one desire, to host this nominated playlist game episode. <laughs> I'm joined today by a couple of lost souls I found wandering around the land of the dead. Welcome to the show, Lee and Andy. Hello guys. Hello everyone, uh, good to be back. Certainly got lost and stuck often. <laughs> <laughs> but I made it onto the show, but Kev didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were supposed to be joined by Kev as well, but um, he didn't manage to make it. He, he saw marooned. sense and gave up after year one. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. marooned in the land of the dead. Yeah, I was guided to the light. <laughs> God, you raced home. You were the first to finish. I think you've been waiting around at the end for weeks, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, must have been dead by then. <laughs> You've been waiting at the gates of the Ninth Underworld for weeks. I know. <laughs> have you gone straight on to uh, make slow progress? Yeah, have you gone straight on to uh, what is it, Day of the Tentacle? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm going to wait until it goes down in price a bit. <laughs> Bargain hunter, I am. I can't fucking have full price. <laughs> well, those tickets for the number nine train are expensive. I know, I know. We have to um, hold them up and then, you know. <laughs> It's a hole punch. Mind if I use your hole punch? Knock yourself out. Thanks. Gets the aggressions out, doesn't it? So Grim Fandango is an adventure game developed and published by LucasArts in 1998 for Microsoft Windows, with Tim Schafer as the game's project leader. It was the first adventure game by LucasArts to use 3D computer graphics overlaid on pre-rendered static backgrounds. The game received universal acclaim from critics who praised its artistic design and overall game direction in particular. It was selected for several gaming awards at the time of release and is often listed as one of the greatest video games of all time. The game was considered a commercial failure, but LucasArts have stated that it met expectations in the USA and exceeded them worldwide. Tim Schafer has said it was profitable. However, LucasArts cancelled a number of sequels to other adventure games, apart from Escape from Monkey Island, and so the genre went into a period of decline, which only recently began to subside with games like Machinery and Botanicula and the various Telltale games receiving commercial and critical success. A remastered version of Grim Fandango was announced during Sony's press conference at E3 2014 and was developed by Schaefer's current studio, Double Fine Productions, with help from Sony to secure the property after Disney's acquisition and subsequent closure of LucasArts Studio. The remastered title features improved character graphics and textures, an orchestrated score and director's commentary, and was released on January 27th of 2015 for PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita, Microsoft Windows, OS X and Linux platform. Android and iOS versions were released later on May the 5th, 2015. 
Yeah, and um, there was um, quite an interesting article, wasn't there? Like giving an overview of the uh, how the kind of remastered version came about on Eurogamer. So we'll, we'll mm. try and remember to stick the link to that on the uh, Facebook post or the Facebook group, perhaps, because uh, I think that's worth. Go- Can we remember what the headline was? Was it bringing out the dead? Bring out Possibly. the dead. Yeah. yeah. Yes, bring out the dead. Tim Schafer reflects back on Grim Fandango. Yeah, well worth a read uh, mm. if you've got the time. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, Double Fine Productions also put out a uh, YouTube series on their YouTube channel covering the making of uh, Grim Fandango Remastered, which we'll also highly recommend watching, and we'll post links to that um, on Facebook when we put the uh, episode out later this week. Yeah, I really want to watch that. I wish I'd have mm. seen it before now, actually. Ah, the big golden door to mediocre management. A little respect for our fearless leader, please. Why? I've worked here longer than he has, you know. And you're proud of that? Hmm, good point. So a brief overview of the story. Uh, The story follows travel agent Manuel Manny Calavera, a travel agent at the Department of Death charged with ferrying souls from death to the Ninth Underworld via a variety of travel packages, as he attempts to save Mercedes Meche Colomar, a newly arrived but virtuous soul, during her long journey across the land of the dead. It goes without saying that this episode will cover the entirety of the game, so if you haven't played it but intend to, then please beware, spoilers ahead. So I thought we'd cover our first experiences of the game, whether we'd played them at all in the past, or whether this was our first experience. Um, I myself first played Grim Fandango on PC back in the early 2000s. I've been a big fan of LucasArts games for a long time. I was, a, I was mainly a PC gamer back then, and I greatly enjoyed the, the Monkey Island games and Day of the Tentacle, as well as the various Indiana Jones and Star Wars games. Um, I remember loving the story and the setting and the overall aesthetic and art design as well as the excellent music, Uh, but although I remember the puzzles being tough, I don't remember them being quite as obtuse as they proved to be when I started playing through the remastered version, as I'm sure we'll talk about later. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Andy was a big advocate for us to try this one out for the playlist, so I'd like to hear whether he'd played it previously or not. It's all his fault. (laughs) Yes. No, when it first came out, I was aware of it, and but I was mainly a console gamer at the time. And I did, when you looked at it in the shops, you know, it was quite distinctive in its packaging, you know, the old LucasArts purple uh, borders. And we had the, it was a uh, skull cover and everything. So it was always looked like, oh, quite fancy that, what's that? And the name sort of like always, that's quite strange, Grim Fandango. You know, it's like one of those strange ones. It always attracted me, but I never got around to playing it. And then um, it was only when it came out on the um, PS4 that you know, it was announced that um, I thought, oh, that's good. It gave me maybe a chance to play it. And then it was once again reduced and uh, managed to pick it up and then convinced the other guys to play it and they probably hate me at this moment in time. (laughs) Sorry, so you you actually bought this when it was released, not when it came to PS Plus, because it came to PS Plus, was it February of this year? Yeah, I I got Mm. it before it came to PS Plus, and as you you know, the feeling goes, do you wait, or do you 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 risk it? So I just went, oh, sod it. It was cheap. It was about £6 or something. So I went and then got it. And then it came to PS Plus and you're like, oh, whatever. Fuck. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't waste too much money. I don't think it was ever very expensive. No, it wasn't. I mean, I think that as we've sort of alluded to in the past, we think that you still get enough value 
from PS Plus, even if you do take these little chances now and again, mm. and they obviously inevitably do end up coming out on PS Plus mm. later on down the line. Um, I think there's even games that we have been given on Plus that I've, I've really wanted to buy because obviously I've enjoyed them so much and I'd like to sort of keep them. Um, but I guess you kind of get weirdly locked out, don't you? If you've had them yeah. on Plus, they don't let you actually buy them. Unless you cancel your PS Plus subscription yes, and then, you and then buy it yeah. and then re- reset your PS Plus subscription. Yeah. yeah, it seems absurd that you'd need to do that, but you're right. <laughs> that probably mm. is possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably uh, more in line with Andy in the sense that oh, this is my first experience of the game, but I've also got reminiscence of a lot of the titles that you mentioned, Mark. And I think, mm. you know, Monkey Island was a massive, you know, game for me back in my childhood. But I don't know whether, when did the, um, when did the Xbox come out? What year was that? Because I'm just trying to think. I was I was definitely N64, sort of 96. I still was playing like Championship Manager and maybe a few RTS games on the PC, but I might have already kind of like moved away once the Amiga died and things like that, away from sort of PC gaming more to a console gamer. So I was just trying to remember what this, whether this was released in the kind of like the black hole, one of my long lapses between N64 an Xbox, I can't really... Could, could you know when that the original the, Xbox came out? The original Xbox console, uh, that was uh, November 2001. Right, yeah, so this this probably would have been literally uh, a game that I would have seen. Like Andy said, the, the name is instantly recognisable. It's got a cultural currency all of its own, hasn't it? It's like gone into the lexicon of just, you know, popular culture. Um, mm. I mean, it even pops up on things like... Um, is it Mike Berry's Toast? Do Toast of London? Do you watch that sitcom? Oh, Matt Berry's yeah, Toast of London. Yeah. I haven't no. seen. I've only seen the, the pilot of that show. Well, what, one of the you know because he's the like voiceover artist. Well, one of the recording um, supervisors, you know, where he records his voiceovers, they you know have a little rift on the name Fandango, and it's just like I think they call him Clem Fandango. But anyway. Um, yeah, this just would have been one that I was really aware that got, you know, critical acclaim and Tim Schafer is a figure that I kind of have casually followed through gaming. I've liked a lot of the titles that he's been involved in. Um, mm. But yeah, just ne- never got to. So, um, you know, jumped to the chance, particularly because it was given away on Plus. Um, but I think like you, I just was not prepared at how much I suck at these games now. I, th- yeah. I used to be good at these. Or I, I think I kidded myself I used to. Um, I don't know whether like it will come out more in the conversation later, but I, maybe it's the pressure of time. Like When you're, when you're younger, like I can remember just pouring hours into like, something like Championship Manager um, and you know feeling that that wasn't necessarily difficult. And I think maybe some of the point-and-click adventure games the classics, you know, the LucasArts ones that you mentioned, I don't remember finding them impossible, but I can't imagine that I was able to get through the end of them. So I, I must have just dipped in and out and thought I'd seen enough, you know, because I found this a real challenge. <laughs> and I'm not embarrassed to admit it. No, it was. And I, I played a lot of this sort of game. Um, a lot of the old LucasArts ones, like... Um, at Monkey Island, like we mentioned, and, and uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis yeah, is one yeah. I remember as well. And then some of the more modern ones that take that similar sort of formula, like um, if either of you played Machinarium at all. No, it looks no, lovely no, though. No, yeah, no. It's great, but uh, again, it's got... The, the puzzles aren't quite as obtuse as they are in... Um, and convoluted, I think, as they are in Grim Fandango, but it's a similar sort of you clicking on all the items in your inventory and all the things in the environment to try and work out what you're supposed to do next. Um, 
and I I don't know. I think I just I've just fallen out of love with that style of adventure game. Um, I think adventure games have moved on a little bit. I suppose we'll talk a little bit about that later on. But um, yeah, I found this <laughs> the puzzles a struggle, a real struggle this time around, and I, I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that I had to use a guide on a number of occasions to manage to get through it. Yeah, I think I, I need to hold my hands up that I really begrudgingly like put it off because I, I thought I don't really want to play through the game by rope because I think it is possibly because of its vintage it, it kind of is a game whose gameplay almost relies on your willingness to just spend a lot of time repeatedly trying to find the solution yourself it mm. doesn't it's not prepared to jump forward or to hold your hand and i don't know i just felt like by just playing it by rote i was really kind of robbing myself of a lot of the experience but inevitably i just decided that is the only way i was going to get to the end <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, see, I didn't have a problem with you at all using the guide. I mean, it was like first half an hour, 45 minutes, I thought, I'm just not going to waste my time trying to run around and do this going from room to room, try to figure out what to do here and there. And I just went, sod it, guide, guide it. I'll enjoy the story. And that's what I felt like. I just, I'm not afraid to hold my hands up and say, yep, guide it and just enjoy the experience and the storyline. Because it's almost plays like a movie. So you- yeah, um, but it made me realise that maybe I'm not as clever as I used to be. <laughs> because I played this through back here when I was like 14, 15, and I'm pretty sure I played it without a guide then, and managed to finish the game. And this time round, even though I played it before, albeit you know 15 years ago, I. I really, really struggled, and some mm. of the puzzles—they're very clever puzzles, but yeah, they're sometimes too clever or yeah. too obscure. Um, I think for—I uh, don't know whether that's just a comment on how gaming has become more accessible um, and more handholdy these days, to the point that when you come and play something like this, that is a, an older classic game, it's just like, oh my god, this is so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that does raise an interesting consideration in the sense of yours about you know we've obviously got. Uh, video walkthroughs that you can watch on YouTube. You've got, mm. um, you know, multiple websites that offer guides. I think I actually used the Eurogame guide to, you know, mention that website again. They've obviously got some great coverage of the Grim Fandango remastered. Um, like I think Andy linked us to it, and I ended up just, you know, following that like I say by rope. But mm. when this came out, I mean, I, you wouldn't have had that level of internet um, coverage, so surely no. most people would have played it without a guide or is it one of those um scenarios didn't there like used to be helplines that you had to ring or there was some kind of way you know they there were the games were almost designed for you to seek out help Mm. i don't remember there being like a plethora of internet resources that you could go to so do you go to the like the developers or is it in magazines or something that you would have got the help i don't know they used to have a lot of things like that like i've got on my bookshelf at the moment that I got out of an old I can't remember what video game magazine it is but a quite thick paperback guide to um, Final Fantasy 8 that got given away with the yeah. magazine it used to be something that they used to yeah, do quite a lot with um, game mag- games magazines where they'd, yeah. they'd give tips or walkthroughs to games whereas now you can just find that stuff on the internet but I don't think I used one when I played through it originally, so I don't know how I managed to finish it. 
there'd be someone listening like laughing like saying oh you know you, you guys are rubbish I, I, I was able to go back and you know I remembered all the secrets and all that you know and if mm. that if that was the case we'd have, we'd have loved to have had some help from you yeah <laughs> I mean what was good about the guide I used I used the Euro, Euro Gamer Diet guide it didn't reveal any of the story so mm. it was helpful in the sense that oh, I just go left right here I'll do this it revealed nothing about the story yeah. lengths. I, I mean, like you, Mark, I remember those guides. I, mean, I used to give them away, I think, on Mean Machines and Mean Machines Sega, I remember giving them away. Um, loads of these guides. And then even back to Yor Sinclair, they used to do guides in the back of the um, magazine itself. Yeah. But what was good about them, they never re- revealed the story. And I noticed some guides in these adventure games, even the modern ones, they revealed too much of the story, while this one was just like, go here, yeah. do this, do that. Are you able to follow the story and enjoy it? And that would, if it gave away the story, it would utterly ruin it. Because even yeah. if you do have help with the puzzles, um, the storyline in Grim Fandango is good enough to enjoy on its own. If you completely, if 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 you're just given, if someone's holding your hand and taking you through all the puzzles, you can still enjoy the story for what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be interesting. Maybe we'll we'll come back to a couple of those points when it gets to our overall recommendation. Because mm. I. I think it might be a case of um, if you were going to recommend it to a lapsed game or any game like any listener I think it really would um, depend on their predilection for this type of game and whether they've got that sort of patience because I, I think yeah. that I, I could understand completely if someone relishes that kind of challenge of banging their head against the wall until they make <laughs> these logic jumps um, but equally I can imagine people particularly if they're like a lapse game but like the idea of a game we're saying in advance is so difficult that it's a time sink and you need to play it by rope by a guide I think myself I'd find that really quite off-putting you know I don't think I would I set out necessarily to play games that I'd, I would need to rely that heavily to hold my hand through like using like an external resource but again you know it's obviously down to particular taste and I have used guides for other games um, mm-hmm. I don't know why I don't know I don't know why I, f- I just I think I was disappointed in myself <laughs> that I had to use it so much <laughs> Somebody telling you off. Oh, <laughs> shaking my head. Oh, Tim Schafer and Grimm, you know, looking at you. Yeah. Uh, I, I did like one of the things they did where um, they encouraged you to listen to the dialogue um, trees because they gave you... Because I think a lot of the trophies like hidden and I missed yeah. over half. But um, I think, you you know, a lot of them pop because you actually do exhaust the dialogue trees with the individual yeah. characters. And I thought that, that actually worked quite well because it's obviously such a narrative and dialogue focused game and that's where you can derive so much of the enjoyment because of the you know the wit and the humour um, I thought that was a, a good kind of incentive to do that some festival huh yeah yeah pretty busy my carpal tunnel syndrome's really acting up but you don't have any tendons yeah well you don't have a tongue but that doesn't seem to shut you up now does it so I suppose we better move on to the story and we'll start with year one in which we find conspiracy demons, a covert resistance and balloon animals. Sorry for the wait, Mr. Flores. I am ready to take you now. Take me? Take me where? Now, now. There's no need to be nervous. Nervous? No. Just your appearance. It's a little intimidating. Intimidating? Me? But I'm your friend. My name's Manny Calavera. I'm your new travel agent. I don't want a new travel agent. I want to go home. 
<laughs> you can't go home, Celso. You're dead. But you're not alone. Everybody here is just as dead as you. That's why we call it the land of the dead. Are you ready for your big journey? No. What journey? The four-year journey of the soul. It is quite a big trip. And I can't lie to you, Celso. It could be very, very dangerous. Unless you were to take that money you were buried with and buy a better travel package from us. I mean, wouldn't you rather cross the land of the dead in your own sports car? Maybe try a luxury ocean cruise? Or, if you led a very good life, you may even be eligible for a ticket on the number nine itself. The number nine? That's our top-of-the-line express train. It shoots straight to the ninth underworld, the land of eternal rest, in four minutes instead of four years. But very few people qualify. Let's take a look at your records. Hmm? Hmm. Well, the bad news is the train appears to be just out of your reach, but I still got a couple of tricks up my sleeve here. Mm-hmm. Yaha! Yes, that's the ticket. The Excelsior Line. Yes, she's a beauty. That compass and the handle will sure come in handy, too. Oh, you're going to have a great trip. Wish I was going. Why don't you? You could give me a lift. Oh, I can't leave here until I've worked off a little debt to the powers that be. Community service, eh? Well, I guess there are some folks worse off than me. Oh, I'll be leaving here soon enough. No thanks to dead and no commission low-life cases like yours, Menso. Hey, Manny. The boss told me to tell you not to leave early tonight. He wants to talk to you about something when he gets back from his trip. Tell Don not to worry. I'm not going anywhere. Especially not with clients like that. Where do they get these guys? They don't qualify for anything good, so I can't sell anything good. Can't work off my time, and I'm stuck. Stuck selling walking sticks to a bunch of burros for eternity. I need better clients. I need a real saint. I need a lead on a rich, dead saint. So we find our hero, Manny Calavera, having yet again failed to sell a lucrative package deal to a recently deceased customer. But his luck may be changing. There's been a mass poisoning of the land of the living. So this is where we we after we've been introduced to to our to our hero uh, Manny Calavera, we find out that the uh, the forces at play behind the story in this game are, are trying to undermine him because there's been a mass poisoning, and he goes to go and investigate it and find and finds from his boss's uh, secretary that his driver has been given the day off. So he goes down to the carpool, and that's where we meet. Um, his constant companion throughout the rest of the game, Glottis, <laughs> who is a, an elemental spirit who's been summoned for the sole purpose of driving, and he absolutely loves driving. Um, <laughs> the only problem is he's a gigantic orange monster and doesn't fit in the cars. So you have to go on a little bit of a puzzly quest to figure out a way to manage to get him into one of the cars so he can be taken to the, the land of the living to investigate this it's a gazpacho poisoning I think it is yeah I mean but that, yeah. and that's that's brilliantly uh, rendered like in a sort of bizarre art style but before we get to that is this the bit where you have to get some kind of ticket stamped or something because I can remember that was the first crushing uh, <laughs> yes. battle of attrition for yeah. me <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> just not knowing where to go or what to do and just thinking oh you know just admiring really the art design and the kind of the aesthetic of it in a way because whilst I do think some of the elements have aged I, th- I think it was quite it, it looked how can I put it it looked comforting comfortingly clunky in a way mm. <laughs> like you could there was a button that you could on the Vita that I played it on because um, I think you guys played it on PS4 did you play it across the, the two I played a bit on both. Yeah, uh, so it is cross save, is it? Yeah, I think you could like literally just push a button and it would show you the original graphics or the remastered. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Some of the times, honestly, there was so little difference. <laughs> yeah, well, it was only really yeah. in the actual in the characters themselves in the the interactive yeah. elements because all of the the backgrounds were all pre-rendered. Yes, mm. and that they still look lovely. Good. Yeah, still yeah lovely. It's, it's they still look very nice. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's where you, where you, you meet the boss's secretary, who is uh, she's great. Has some history. She's great. Yeah, yeah she's very sassy. She has some history with Manny and refuses to to let him uh. speak to the boss. So you sneak out onto the balcony and get into the boss's office to find that he has <laughs> left a pre-recorded message saying uh, saying that he doesn't want to be disturbed. Yeah. So then you have to change the message uh, on his computer to uh, tell her, tell her to just stamp whatever you want and then you can get the work order stamped and then Glottis can drive you to the, the land of the living and that's where we get this I don't even know how to describe the art style <laughs> well I want to say it's like art deco but it's almost Picasso-esque isn't it like yeah. it's kind of like flat but um, you know it, it evokes like a three-dimensionality but it's not realistic at all <laughs> like in <Yeah>. any way <laughs> Um, and when he gets there, he's uh, he's already been beaten to the chase by uh, his arch rival Domino, who is the, the star salesman at the Department of the Dead. And the only person left to retrieve is a a rather grumpy little man called Bruno Martinez, who flat out refuses to pay for any of the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, luxury travel options to get to the Ninth Underworld and just wants to walk. Yeah. Um, so Manny stuffs him. No, he doesn't even want to walk. Was he? He just wants to get some rest. So. Um, Manny stuffs him in a in a coffin and fills him with this <laughs> with expanding foam <laughs> to send him on his way. And uh, we should probably say that the, I mean, for anyone who hasn't played it, the the kind of one of the mechanics is that you can kind of pick up and interact with like multiple objects, and you end up just having like yeah. these uh, bottomless uh, suit pockets, don't you? So you've got like a scythe in there, and you've got um, you know yeah. foam, and you've got all these kind of objects that you're going to ultimately find where you're meant to use them to like kind of like progress on and um uh, the other thing is that i've realized at this point is that it's got that really archaic save system style where you actually have to go back to the menu mm. manually click save mm. select where you want to save it and you have to do this all the time so yeah. the amount of replaying of the early chapters that i had to do was ridiculous because <laughs> i just kept forgetting because <laughs> yeah. i've been so spoiled you know because i you know I, I grew up in the day playing the games where you know you had to do things like that or you didn't even have save states you had to get it all done in one sitting otherwise you had to load like the disc up again but um yeah, yeah it's just amazing how sport we are because i've, I've really found that game breaking for me a lot of the time you know it really took me out of the narrative having to remember after I'd finally mastered one of these really tricky puzzles early on so they probably aren't that tricky um, <laughs> that I had to keep saving it to, uh, to carry on but yeah <laughs> yeah it was yeah. an uphill struggle from chapter one 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. But it's this point where Manny realizes that um, he's having, well, all of the best clients are being diverted towards Domino, and so he hatches a plan to try and sabotage the um, the messaging system, the, the pneumatic tube messaging <laughs> system. <laughs> and the, the way that you do it's so convoluted and ridiculous, but also kind of funny. Is going outside to the the uh, annual day of the Dead Festival that's outside and talking to a very grumpy and sarcastic uh, balloon animal artist yeah and asking for various animals um, specifically you need uh, him to make you ask him to make a couple of dead worms which is just <laughs> uninflated balloons um, and then he also makes a uh, a cat and he can make one that's uh, uh, the face of Robert Frost um, <laughs> <laughs> but then you use the balloons to um, you fill the two balloons with the two a- ingredients of this expanding foam which if they interact are quite uh, will expand very rapidly and then send them down through the messaging system to uh, clog up the, the pneumatic messaging and then when the demon who fixes it is done then you sneak in and uh, intercept an incoming uh, message for a recently deceased person called Mercedes Coloma who will be the not really the femme fatale, but she's the main focus of the yeah. game. Yeah, that's a, that was another scenario where I uh, I got it wrong and I had to restart and replay all, <laughs> all the game up to that because you have yeah. to you have to time it so that oh no that's it you have to do something to the door don't you so the door yeah, won't shut. I missed that yeah. completely. <laughs> so the demon comes in and then he follows you out, but you because you've somehow done something to the door which I've already forgotten it won't close and then yeah. you're able to open it again yeah so the hours wasted on that <laughs> oh it's uh, you, I missed it completely as well you're supposed to when the door's open just turn the latch and then Manny comes up the quip so he just says I've just locked an open door yeah well you and make then, it sound so easy Mark <laughs> yeah no no it's, I missed it a, a, a couple of times I had to go I had to do that two or three times before I realised what I'd missed mm. and then yeah you lock the door the demon goes out and the door doesn't shut properly and you can go and intercept this message I had trouble with uh, perspective you know the way especially in that lift area you you should turn around the corner yeah and you you turn around the corner you think you're somewhere else and then you go back this is is not where I'm supposed to be and you come back and then it was just so hard sometimes with the way the way um, it was shown where you were actually were in the game and having to find that room sometimes yeah, yeah, I, it's I that agree. Classic, yeah, it's that classic problem of like fixed camera points yeah. that you had in like in old Resident Evil games and things like that, where yeah, you'd you'd move from one screen to the other, push it, you'd be pushing in one direction and then immediately yeah. go back to the previous screen. Oh god, this is <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was around this time that I discovered that there was actually a sprint button that they'd actually yeah. finally put yeah. in. So that was a godsend. <laughs> that was a godsend. Yeah, I didn't find that until chapter three. So oh my god. god. <laughs> and you still finished it quicker than us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one thing I will say about the um, art style, it uh, I mean it's interesting art style, isn't it? In chapter one straight away it's that um film noir yeah, um fifties yeah. um sort of style mixed in. I mean it's like Mexican, I mean it's described as Aztec type of Spanish, so you've already got this strange mix going on where you know, you got this. You follow this guy around the school, and you know he's speaking Spanish. And while he's in like almost like that fifties style, and the and the dialogue is very fifties. Yeah, you're style. right. And then there's that whole kind of um, almost kind of like Cuban revolution 
uh, kind of like uh, narrative comes in as well. You're yeah. actually that that me- yeah. that mesh of what you would imagine would be heavily contrasting styles is pulled off so well, and I think actually that's mm. probably um, next to the, the humour and the narrative. That's really what sells the game. I think it's almost. Like I think you were saying before, Andy, that you would still in- encourage people to play it, even though we might that we might have made them trepidatious because we've said it's so difficult because you think the story is, you know, is worth the narrative, you know, it's worth experiencing. And I think yeah. that that's true. The, the the kind of aesthetic generally of the game, despite it being an older uh, older game, it's got some really interesting uh, art direction. So, yeah, at this point, um, when Manny's intercepted the uh, the job to pick up uh, Mercedes Colomar, uh, and he finds out that despite the fact that she's lived a virtuous life, she still doesn't qualify for any of the packages. And uh, she disc- he, sorry, he discovers that um, there's a big conspiracy to, to rig the system to deny clients their tickets on the number nine train. At this point, the boss locks Manny away in the uh, the little shed down in the driver down in the, in the carpool area, and he's uh, rescued by um, Salvador Limones, the leader of a small underground <laughs> resistance unit called the Lost Souls Alliance. And this is where that sort of like Cuban Revolution yeah. aspect comes into it. Um, and it's all handled very comically. There's sort of like uh, there's some great voice acting, isn't there? There's some really good voice yeah, acting in the game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I wish I was a bit more well versed in that because there's probably you know it's probably a lot of the same people across a lot of the double fine games or, or possibly even you know other games going back to that uh, that era but yeah there's some of them they're just so well done I think that again that that really that probably encouraged me to carry on to the next chapter more than anything else just because I was enjoying their vocal performances yeah, I was, mm. I was reading about the um, Spanish guy I can't remember what he's called the voice money and mm. Tim Schafer actually said initially he, didn't, he asked this guy who was asking um, can he drop change some of the dialogue so he was dropping more Spanish in and more words you know like to make it more realistic like instead of being following the dialogue as it was written by Tim Schafer he was making it more realistic which it does come through the whole game it, it, you know it drops a little I can't remember what words it was. I was reading it in the article he was dropping certain Spanish words to make it more friendly, to make it more realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it has got a great um, authentic flow, hasn't it, to some of the dialogue. I mean, I, I know it's still ultimately in some of the scenes you're just following, um, you know, like they, they will say something and then you get given kind of a choice of how you're going to respond like you do in a lot of these games. But um, it's just pitched really well. So a, a lot of it doesn't feel like, oh, it's just mm. like by rope. It's just like repeating over like an audio loop. Um, because obviously the game's got so much dialogue in probably that gives it that kind of variety yeah. oh, it's got loads yeah but uh, yeah so Salvador charges uh, well he manages to rope Manny into joining the resistance and charges him with his first task of uh, capturing some skeleton messenger pigeon eggs so that they can <laughs> raise their own army of mess <laughs> yeah and this was the one of the first puzzles where that I started banging my head against the desk trying to solve it ultimately you're supposed to entice you're supposed to get the balloon animal of a of a cat and place on a bird feeder and put some bread yes. you've also stolen from the the day of the dead festival yes that's it yeah pigeons go along peck at it the, the balloon bursts and they fly off yeah but <laughs> at various points i was just grabbing stuff out of my inventory and shaking it at the pigeons trying to work out how to, to scare them <laughs> off and none of them was working but it did lead to one of my favorite lines in the game which is when you uh take out the Robert Frost balloon animal and shake it at the pigeons. 
Run, you pigeons! It's Robert Frost! Yeah, so next, um, Manny and Glottis leave um, El Maro to, uh, to pursue uh, Meche, who has, who has left to walk the four-year journey uh, mm. through the, the Land of the Dead to get to the Ninth Underworld. Um, and they leave in the newly modified company car. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. the, the uh, bone wagon, which uh, Glottis has turned into this huge hot rod monstrosity um, that's hilarious uh, yeah then proceed out into the, the petrified forest and solve some more ridiculous puzzles yeah back, uh, um, sorry car, back car, sorry it looks like one of the wacky races yeah it does do you yeah remember, do, you, I, oh, do you remember which one it was he had that big um, scary green guy with long hair at the front he just he just looks exactly like that with Glottis standing <laughs> out, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a sort of, that might have been an inspiration for it because yeah, it's it's a it's a giant hot rod with a huge orange monster at the front, yelling and screaming as it yeah. tears across the landscape. <laughs> um, but after after solving some more ridiculous puzzles in the in the, uh, the petrified forest in involving uh, one of them involves flaming beavers. Um, there are about oh yeah yeah oh, that one was yeah. annoying and some other weird thing <laughs> yeah. that you've got to, like balance like some rotating things I can't even remember now it's like isn't it like a tree but there's like it's four like a... moving parts that you have to get in unison yeah it's a tree marrow extractor that you've got to put off balance in order to make it break and get some bits and pieces or what I can't remember exactly that one that was another one of the more complicated puzzles um but there, you have eventually arrive at um, Rubakava, which is the, the last stop on the land before the, the Sea of Lament. And you find that it's a bit of a run-down town. There's the only people who appear to be there is uh, a dockmaster who will fish Manny out of the sea whenever you walk off the edge of the world by accident and complain about how he keeps on throwing himself into the sea. And, um, yeah, and you run into Celso Flores, the guy from the very beginning of the game who Manny first interacts with, who is now working at Rubicava as a, uh, as a janitor in, a, in an empty cafe where there is only one job, and that's sweeping the floor. And uh, <laughs> Manny wants that job. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Manny obtains a, a book that shows that... Um, Celso Flores' wife has has gone on ahead of him with somebody else and so Celso decides to leave and gives the job to Manny and that's where year one ends So, know a good place to stay in town? What's your price range? Somewhere around the high end of nothing Then maybe, young man it's time you started thinking about a job And so on to year two in which we find murder, intrigue open mic poetry and communist bees boss you gonna come downstairs i got a customer asking for you you know i don't like to mingle with the customers well you may want to mingle with this one she sounds like your type 
So a year has passed and Manny has gone from janitor to owner of the club, now renamed Calavera Cafe, where the roulette tables are rigged and Glottis's hulking frame can be found bent over the piano as he serenades the customers. <laughs> Manny has waited a long time for Meche to arrive and his luck is about to change. Meche is indeed in town, being dragged onto a cruise ship by Domino. But as Manny reaches the ship, Meche stops him from boarding so he must find a way to pursue her. The only means to do so is aboard the good ship Limbo, but getting past the Dockmaster will prove tricky. This was my favourite part of the game, by a long way. Um, is it the longest? Like, as in terms longest. of the longest story stretch? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it was. I loved the setting and the storyline, um, all the storyline elements, all the characters in Year 2 were my favourites in the game by a long way. This is the first time we see that wherever Manny stops off for a year as you already mentioned it, it, it takes place every single chapter takes place on Day of the Dead um, so the first one's the Day of the Dead and then chapter 2 is Day of the Dead exactly a year later and so on and so forth and always takes place on the same day yeah. one year apart um, he has this amazing ability to wherever he stops to rise rapidly through the <laughs> ranks to go from a janitor to the owner of the club and as we'll see later on he, he always manages to go up through, up in the world in the land of the dead but yeah I absolutely loved this chapter there were some ridiculous stories um, and characters and I, and I loved the setting it was a little bit almost w- without the whole World War 2 element it was a little bit Casablanca yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, I mean. it was. And the old, was it the old shipman down at the docks telling you what to do and yeah, telling you about was it about the monsters or something in the sea? It was all almost like was it predicting it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, there was a little bit of foreshadowing of some yeah. of the things that are going to happen later on in the game as well. Yeah, but um, basically, you have to go on a very convoluted journey in order to get aboard the ship. You have to get Glottis some tools so that he can get a job on the ship working as an engineer. And you also have to obtain um, a membership card for the Maritime Union and make sure that somebody who is supposed to be on the ship doesn't get onto the ship. And then you go on a series of difficult puzzles (laughs) that took... Oh, God, that that whole sequence must have taken me about four hours to complete. Yeah, I think a lot of this is about... Yeah, you have to go on like this convoluted puzzle adventure so that you can explore the all the you know, various scenes multiple times because this was probably the area that I ended up feeling like I actually knew where I was going when I was going off the screen because you have to go yeah. around it and traverse it so many times, like getting the, you know, the lift up and down and uh, it's almost like a, a maze or there's like that meeting bit in the oh, town, all yeah. the different branching roads and everything but no there's some killer puzzles in here yeah. not least trying to control the forklift truck <laughs> yep. trying to uh-huh, like, yeah. block the um the uh, lift chain from coming down so you can you can get out and also some absolutely a head scratching one to do with betting slips that i had to use the guide for i just could not understand <laughs> oh what i was <laughs> meant machine. to be entering yeah. and even finding yeah. even finding the ticket guys because i didn't realize there's two of them Mm-hmm. There's like actually two windows. So yeah, like you, go, <laughs> you go to one and they, he just basically tells you to fuck off in not so many words. <laughs> yeah. And you think, all oh, right, that's it then. The game even isn't going to like let me progress. And then I yeah, yeah. Looked, at, looked at the guide and realised what I had to do. <laughs> and there was one particular puzzle that was, on the face of it, quite simple, but I had a lot of trouble with because I, I picked up uh, right at the very beginning when you're in the club, gone behind the bar and you pick up a bottle of some liquor I think it's like yeah, vodka that's got like yeah. gold flakes in it stuck it in the inventory completely forgot about it <laughs> and then later on when you're talking to the security guard and 
she really wants to strip search Manny, but she needs yeah. an excuse oh, that's to do brilliant. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't realise you had to drink the uh, drink the liquid and then walk through the metal detector. Yeah, so set once off. So set it off, and it's like, and then I, then when I did, it, I was like, "Where's the liquid gone?" Because he's just a skeleton. <laughs> yeah, I talked to her before I drank the liquid, so I got all this sexual innuendo and sexual humour of her <laughs> wanting to strip me. I'm going. Yeah. All right, but there was nothing happening. It seemed to say that Manny was a bit of a player in this town as well, because everyone seemed to know him. All the ladies seemed to know him. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'd been almost like having some sexual tension with her from the beginning, you know, and how she yeah. she kind of like almost shadows him all the way because no matter the kind of where he goes, she's there, isn't she? Because it all comes about that she's like a one of the logistic. Uh, roles in the uh, resistance and you know wherever he's going like working undercover for them now you know she's already there you know in a strategic position of authority and it's just funny like the way they're always competitive against one another i loved the whole the whole sequence with the the the, um in order to get a uh the tools you have to get the bees the worker bees that are there building ships to go on strike (laughs) yeah (laughs) and there's this whole sequence with um getting some some uh beret wearing beatniks down at the 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 open mic poetry open mic poetry night the, the, the one of the bars in town to uh give him a copy of what is like the the Grim Fandango equivalent of the the Communist Manifesto, yeah. and then giving that to the bees so that they start a, a, a bee revolution and end up getting uh, one of them ends up getting arrested, and then you have to get a lawyer for him, and it causes the other bees to go on strike, and then you can get the tools and whatnot, and it's like the whole sequence is like ridiculously complicated, but the payoff is absolutely great. Yeah. Communist bees is such a ridiculous concept. And, and I love some of the dialogue and the kind of how downtrodden they were, and that whole um, undertone of like um, on the waterfront, you know, like Brando's on the waterfront. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm just trying to think of the um, the director's name now. God, I'm sh- showing the age already, forgetting it. But um, yeah, it's just so interesting, like how they drew references from that, but they they kind of like totally have cast it in a in a far more kind of like humorous bent. Stop the fat cats of industry! from building these ships with the pollen of the exploiting working class! I say we fight back! Hmm, what's this? Maybe a bee agitator? I say lay down your tools right now and show the man just who makes the honey around here! You know, I always thought bees came in two colors, yellow and black. But you look all red to me, my friend. Ah! Hey, what are you doing? We've got the right to assemble peacefully. Good. You're going to need a lot of assembly after we take you apart, comrade. Betty! Get me a lawyer! Get me a lawyer! Logan, that's going to make it tough to spring the kid and get him back out here. Good thing I know a lawyer who owes me a favour. Quite like the big in the other nightclubs, you meet that other woman, don't you? Oh, there's uh, two of them, isn't there? There's, there's two. This, yeah. yeah. She's the one who follows you around, and you, you have to make her read loads of loads of open poetry. To, to yes. get one of the trophies, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to, yeah. yeah. It's um, Olivia. Yeah. 
Yeah, some yeah. of the dialogue there, like some of the actual poetry or non-poetry, is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. You get you basically get given the option of reading various short phrases in whatever order you want, and it doesn't matter what you yeah. say. Even if you just step up to the microphone and just say the end, then everyone in the in the bar just starts booing and hissing. <laughs> <laughs> but they all love uh, Olivia's poetry. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole thing with uh, Lola, who is a I don't entirely what her job, sure what her job is. She seems like a gossip columnist, um, and she's she's in love with um, the the town crime lord Maximino, uh, but Maximino is in a relationship with Olivia and Olivia is also having an affair with the lawyer as well um, <laughs> so this is complicated not a love triangle but whatever complicated web of, of, uh, of secrets and, and relationships that Manny has to untangle yeah. um, through his own means in order to to get the lawyer to represent the um, the communist bee. I'm sorry, that. Yeah, it's all, <laughs> that it's all very like, um, <laughs> unexpected for a Disney <laughs> prophecy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> things. Why you doing all that? You're still having to make, make sure that the police chief gets his uh, wins his gambling while he's making sure he, he keeps winning at the casino. Yeah, you keep having to fix that, and if he doesn't fix it, he closes you down. And but then, yeah, and that's what you have to do. Yeah. Isn't it? Once you've got all the bits in in place, um, Glottis won't leave. Yeah, because he's addicted to gambling. Yeah. And the only way you can you can do it is he's he's heavily in debt to uh, the crime lord, and the only way you can get Glottis cut off is by getting the police chief to shut down yeah. um, the Cavalera, Calavera Cafe. Yeah. And then um, Glottis and Manny can finally leave on the, on the, uh, the good ship Limbo mm. uh, to pursue Mercedes. And um, that's uh, where year two ends. Yeah, it reminded me of all that bit. It was where you have to wait for the waiter to do something. And that took forever. Yes. There, yeah, there's a few moments in the game where stuff like that happens where yeah. you're kind of standing there waiting for a character. There's, yeah. there's another one that comes up in year three as well, which I found quite annoying. And you have to wait for a character to walk along a particular route yeah. to get to a specific point, And then you can interact with them. Yeah. Um, and th- yeah, th- and there was this one in year two as well, wasn't there, with the um, is it the t- tattoo artist? Yes. And that's how you get oh, the dog God. tags, and then you have to. I think you have to go back later actually and get some medicine out of the cabinet, and he's on the telephone or something. So there's the, again the sort of ones where you're not entirely sure what's going on. Yeah. I, think if I didn't have the guide. I'd think that again, like the game was stuck, or I, mm. I just like had broken it or something. <laughs> so it was good to you know have that reassurance that no, you just you just do this, or you just wait, and it will allow you to do it eventually. Well, the one with the, the the tattoo artist, where you have to show him a note in order to get um, yeah, get him off the phone, isn't it? Yeah. Or something. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't work for me for ages, and I, I had to end up just like walking around in little increments and just mashing on the X button until I was finally standing in the exact right position in order to interact with him. Otherwise, it just wouldn't work. God, that reminds me of uh, my hellish nightmare going back to uh, one of the earlier years. What yeah, year one, where you had to pick that bloody sign up in the petrified forest and just put it down somewhere, and oh suddenly it opens up. Uh, yeah. Passage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's when I thought, no, I'm definitely using the guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had to put it down. It's like slightly below and to the left of yeah. the center of the screen in order to make it work. And even then, it was a little, yeah, it was very pinpoint where you had to put it. And, yeah, yeah. Three hours yeah, later, still doing that. it, still not. Oh, yeah, just follow it over there. Just follow the arrow there. Where the fuck is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't you come by the club anymore? 
Well, to tell you the truth, Manny, it's your little coat check girl. All that bubbly energy, I just want to strangle her. I've tried that. It doesn't stop her. So moving on to year three, in which we find Shipwreck, the edge of the world, and the giant pet octopus. Another year has passed and Manny's moved up in the world again. He is now the captain of the good ship Limbo, and he and Glottis have finally arrived in Puerto Zapato. But not all is as it seems. Captain Calavera? Puerto Zapato, sailor. We're here at last. Beautiful port, isn't she? Yes, sir. There's some customs officials down below, sir. They want to search the ship. Fine, fine. We've got nothing to hide, eh? No skeletons in our closet. <laughs> yes, sir. Secure the bow, boys. Like a rock this time. Manuel. Salvador? I hope this very urgent message gets to you in time. Our man in Zapato says Miss Colomar never made it to the port. It said she threw herself overboard at the Pearl. I don't know if you believe that. Whatever you do, do not land in Puerto Zapato. It's a trap. Assassins will attempt to board your ship disguised as customs agents. Beware! And viva la revolución! So assassins have indeed boarded the limbo, and Manny and Glottis soon find themselves stuck on the bridge with no escape. But after solving another convoluted puzzle, they manage to evade their assassins by escaping in the rear end of the boat, which promptly <laughs> runs out of steam and sinks, leaving Manny and Glottis marooned at the bottom of the Sea of Lament. This is the point, this is the bit that I was talking about in year two. It's when you're you're standing there at the bottom of the scene, you can't, you can't venture out from um, beyond the glow of light no. from the back of the ship because no. of the monsters that live there. Yeah. And then you see a guy walking around with a lampshade on, and you have to wait <laughs> for him it, yeah. to slowly walk around, and then you can interact <laughs> with him. And then he goes off again, and you have to wait for him to come all the way back around again, and then wait for him to stop, and then interact with him again, so that the glottis will pick him up, and then you can use the torch to proceed. And oh my god, that I've uh, that that bit I found very very annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose because it, it just takes so... Well, A, you have to grab him, but then you have to work out that you're not going to be able to do anything. It has to be glosses, but also just the waiting for the characters to move because it's, yep. you know, yep. he moves even slower than, you know, Manny does. <laughs> mm. And then you have to sit and watch them walk off into the distance very slowly as this guy sings this little light of mine. <laughs> I'm going to let it shine over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> right here, one. And that scene was like, right, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go and make a cup of tea. I'll come back in a minute and this'll, this scene will be over. <laughs> yeah, particularly when it got a bit more action-orientated, didn't it, in like that scene that you were saying before with the ship splitting apart and everything, it all suddenly felt a bit blockbustery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know it was a funny scene that um, the puzzle itself and that's another one I had to look up on the guide because like there's this thing with you can interact with the engines and move the ship around a little bit and you can move the anchors but I had like I had oh, no idea yeah. what you're supposed to do yeah. with them and it's like you're supposed to drop one anchor on the left move over slightly drop the other anchor so that it hooks the first anchor pull yeah. that one up oh. uh, and then pull the other one as well so that the anchor cuts the boat in half and yeah. then start the engine so that the rear end goes off on its own leaving yeah. the assassins on the front end of the boat and it's like 
that was so over the top. Yeah, it took forever. It took yeah. forever, absolutely forever. Yeah, like yeah, I had to look up a guide for that one as well. Yeah, even, um, even with the guide, it's just like, come on, what are you doing? Is not not doing it right? I'm not hooking up. It's just like, Argh. yeah, it's very very precise. Um, but the controls aren't precise enough to no. make it particularly easy. Uh, it's it's another thing. It just shows that it, it is an old game. I mean, this game is now eight, 17, 18 years 18 old now. Years, yeah. yeah, so it is from another era, really. Um, if you think about how how far games have come since then, but it's yeah that some of those puzzles are particularly annoying when you have to be very precise with with moving things about there's another one in um uh later on in this chapter as well involving a crane which got a bit annoying as well but um yeah yeah so manny glottis and uh i can't remember the name of the character the little guy chapito i think it is you end up don't yeah. you end up kind of like leaving him at the mercy of yeah. So he's so, a guy who got fed up. He he used to live in Rubicava, got fed up waiting for a ship, and decided to walk across the bottom of the ocean to get to Puerto Zapato. And he's gotten stuck because there's this glowing orb at the bottom of the sea known as the Pearl. And he thinks it's the moon, and so he keeps walking with the moon on his right <laughs> and ends up just going round and round and round in circles and has been for so long that he's got barnacles growing on his eyebrows now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you, you manage to find a the, the, an underground, an underwater facility that's guarded by a giant octopus, and the only way to proceed is basically getting uh, this, this fella tied up on some some seaweed so that he gets captured by the 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 octopus and you can proceed past yeah and then you find out that uh it's a facility on the edge of the world that's being run by uh domino who was uh, manny's uh, nemesis back from the department of dead the dastardly Uh, bastard yeah the dastardly (laughs) domino and he's captured mercedes for some nefarious purpose and is keeping her enslaved there yeah and there's like and there's like two kids isn't there like you in a cage or something there was there was a really bizarre yeah. scene <laughs> a couple of caged angels could, yeah. uh, who were there because they've got little hands and can use little tools who were employed to make light bulbs <laughs> <laughs> basically there is no escape um, I can't remember where Glottis is at this point. Uh, oh no, Glottis has been—he got—he gets thrown off the edge yeah, of, uh, of the world. He's on top of half a ship, isn't he? Yeah, he ends up on top of half a ship, which is the the actual ship that um, the the harbour master back in Rubicava was making a little ship in a bottle model of this ship that he's obsessed with. I can't remember the name of it. And you have to go through yet another annoying, complicated puzzle involving a crane. <laughs> In order to drag that ship up, you have to use. Uh, you have to go and speak to um, uh, Chipito. Chipito, yeah. Chipito, yeah. You have to go and find Chipito, who's working on mining some coral, and he's been given this giant pneumatic jackhammer that he can't use yeah. properly. And you trade him for. Uh, yeah, this is where you find out that the only currency in this 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 forced labor camp is is trading. So you manage to trade. One of the tiny little pickaxes that you take from one of the, the the little angel kids to take his jackhammer, and then trade a pair of stockings for a gun. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, because that's one of the puzzles where you have to time the moving of the ashtray to how she smokes it, 
and, yes. and flicks the ash, yes. sorry, and it, that was really frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that she takes off the stocking stories in the bin, yeah. and you can take them and then go and trade them for a gun because that makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you you basically manage to you uh, you have to use the the crane to pull up some a rock grinder that then Glottis can stick on the front of the ship so that the ship will be able to cut through the coral so that they can escape. Yeah, this this I didn't particularly enjoy uh, year three. No. It was thankfully it was the shortest I think it was uh, of all of them. Sorry, I just say it's a massive change in art style as well. Yeah, yeah. and environments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think this was where I thought, right, I just want to buckle down and get to the end. And I must admit, I started to like not pay that close attention to a lot of the story threads. <laughs> <laughs> well, there wasn't a huge amount in this one, to be honest. No. There was, there were a few little diversions that were kind of funny. Like you can take various items that you pick up throughout this level, and take them back to Manny's office where the two um, uh, angels, the angel kids, are in the cage, and you can, you can use them to scare the kids into crying <laughs> repeatedly. So, like you, t- you, uh, they, they love Mercedes because Mercedes looks after them. So when you get her stockings, you take them back and say, "Look, this is all that's left of Mercedes," and they'll start crying. God, you, you say back. this, Mark. You know, I only did that. Three, I, I only did that the three <laughs> <do> times. <laughs> no, I just found out that you could interact with them with various uh, 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 pieces of, uh, of you know equipment that you've got, and I just tried them all out to see what what uh, reaction I could get. So you get a reaction with that, and if you go back with the jackhammer, you can threaten them with that, and then they start crying as well. <laughs> you get a trophy for that for some reason. Um, so yeah, after rescuing Meche. Um, they escape on the SS La Mancha, and uh, they're pursued by Domino on this weird submarine thing that's being propelled by the giant octopus. And then Manny jumps down onto the onto the the uh, submarine, and you think you're going to have a a showdown with Domino involving a scythe fight, but you can't actually fight him with the scythe, uh, as far as I'm aware. All you can really do is turn around and poke the octopus in the eye, which causes him to to, to flee the, the submarine. And the submarine gets sucked into the rock crusher at the front of the SS La Mancha, which uh, is, thankfully, the end of Domino. Yeah, that, you're right. That's a little bit anticlimactic. I mean, it's a great cutscene, and it's, he's yeah. comeuppance. He's brilliant. Um, and they even do, like, a little dialogue joke call back to it in not very Arnie-esque but um, yeah you thought you could actually have some combat and I was gonna, I was be intrigued to see how the controls work with that but you know that never happens to be the case no no there's a few times when I thought that would happen um, there's another one in year four where I thought oh, I'm gonna have like an, some actual you know involved gameplay and some combat but th- there isn't but yeah so uh, our characters managed to, to escape and they, they, yeah. they proceed on to the uh, the final part of their stage uh, of, of their story which is the uh, the gates to the ninth underworld and that is where uh, year three ends it does show how domino cause you, you have a massive long chat with domino don't you mm. um throughout chapter three and it just shows like yeah he's a big guy and he's just feeling so less he's just gonna hire you so yeah. you actually agreed to work with him for a bit while you're all do- while you're doing this plotting behind his back Mm. Yeah, you're right. There's that whole kind of a double agent thing where yeah. ultimately Salvador thinks that he's recruiting, or even if it's kind of like enforced recruitment mm. of uh, money to the cause, and then you're right. The villains of the piece still seem to think, you know, almost up to the end that they can make an ally out of him, whereas, you know, Manny's obviously yeah. just got his own agenda, like from the beginning. Yeah. Is it chapter three where you get the pigeons arriving? Because you get the pigeons to the rebels who. Yeah. 
that's how he gets the message right at the very beginning of, yeah. of the, the chapter is that, that one of the pigeons turns up and yeah. speaks in, <laughs> in Salvador's voice to give him the message that the assassins have snuck on onto the ship yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a good payoff for what you did, actually, in the first chapter, that you get the pigeons here again. Well, yeah. I mean, thank God there are those moments, because I, I'm remembering now, to my horror, that this is the year, isn't it, in year three, where you've got that bloody door thing that you've got to open by twisting those tumbler oh, things around. Oh, my God. And, yeah. and, and that was the breaking point. Like, I, that's where I thought, oh, as much as I want to, you know, play it, and I don't want to, like, you know, let you guys down because we agreed we would but I just thought I'm really not enjoying this now <laughs> even yeah. with the guide I couldn't do it so I actually just put the game down and I don't think I played it for about a week and uh, I came back to it and it just also loaded and it, the door just opened and it just put me straight into the next room and oh, I swear I've never done it so <laughs> I, I mean either somebody uh, you know my wife or my son kindly managed to just open it somehow or the game just took pity on me because I was stuck there for hours <laughs> because you had to yeah. keep getting your scythe out and doing it and you, you that's think, it oh, yeah, yeah. With that gap's fine get your scythe out no it's not I mean you do see the whole animation of a scythe going putting back the scythe and you were like for fuck's sake come on <laughs> you I, just I just move couldn't it slightly. see it. I just couldn't see the angle that you were meant to get because they're all I think they're all meant to look the same but that it, that it was just like a yellow rounded disc and because of the lighting or whatever or just poor eyesight on my part I just couldn't tell when they were all meant to be the same or not I, I, that might have been because you were playing on the Vita I played that particular bit on PS4 and even playing it on a big screen it was kind yeah. of difficult to see how you're supposed to line up the four locks in order that you can block them off and yeah. open, the, open the door to the safe um yeah, that was that would that one was particularly annoying. E- even knowing what you had to do on that bit, exactly. Because, yeah, and that's where I felt the game moved was a bit buggy. Round yeah. slightly too far, you had to then move it around the other way and wait for yeah. all three of the other ones to move <laughs> and one after the other, and then move that one around just a little bit, and then proceed to the next one, and then so on and so forth. And it's like, oh god, that's that took about even knowing what I had to do. That must have taken about fifteen twenty minutes yeah. just to be able to open up that safe. That is nothing. Every puzzle took me. <laughs> about 15 20 minutes no but I mean just that little tiny bit of the puzzle just lining up those four locks yeah. was ridiculous yeah but uh, yeah either through divine intervention or just uh, uh, the game somehow uh, serendipitously putting me into the right space took mercy, um, took mercy on you we'll, we'll yeah, play yeah, exactly. let him go he can't do it did, did you ever encounter like anything that you thought was a bug or kind of like a glitch because um this kind of weird episode aside, I did have a character that just have no nothing apart from arms talk to me, like in one of the earlier <laughs> conversation exchanges. I can't even remember who it was now, but they literally wasn't there. They were just invisible apart from their skeleton hands. I didn't have anything like that. What I did have was uh, occasionally like I'd get something out of Manny's inventory and then he'd put it away and then it would still be in his hand. Uh, and then if you got something else out like at one point he had like it was I'm pretty sure it was in year two and it was the union membership card and I got it out of the inventory and he's holding his hand and I put it away and then he did the animation of putting it away but when he pulled his hand out it was still in his hand and then whenever I got something else at the inventory he still had the card in his hand and then whatever else I pulled out was then hovering a foot above his hand (laughs) at a really weird angle and I, I couldn't I, the only way I managed to to end it was like was uh, like I, I can't remember how I managed to do it in the end uh, I had to like keep pulling various bits out of my inventory until that bug finally sorted itself out and that happened to me twice 
um, one in year two, and then I can't remember what happened again. But apart from that, I didn't have too many problems with bugs and things like that. There was, for me, and I did warn the rest of the group who were playing it, that there was a game-breaking bug in, I think it was doing year four. It's where you interact with a grinder. And if you interact with a grinder before you put the skeleton hand in, you cannot pick the grinder up again, which means you cannot continue with the game because you need the grinder. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm yeah. sure that's like the door and the demon that we were talking about earlier, where yeah. I had to restart the whole game. Yeah, because I put the I picked the grinder up. I didn't realise I had to put their arm in, and then it was just like, yeah, you can't go any further, and then it wouldn't let you do it. So I had to restart from the last save at that point. But apart from that, there was nothing else really yeah by that point I'd got used to the save system so I, I had about seven going or whatever the maximum amount yeah, was <laughs> I did have a lot I think I, about, I think it's about eight you can have and I had them all <laughs> so are you really going to bring me back and try to get your old job again there's no job for me now except to bring you and everyone else here to the end of the road but if you aren't going to use me to get your job back why did you spend all this time trying to find me Meche, I, I needed to find you. And so we finally arrive in year four, in which we find monsters, betrayal, revenge, and unicycles. Name? Pugsy Poligiano, sir. Hmm. Waiting room number two. Next. Glorious! Uh... Glorious! And the end was close, and oh, how pleased I was. Because <laughs> I was told that they got shorter as it went on. Andy was saying it's really short, chapter four. Yeah. It's shorter. It's 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 probably comparable to year one, I'd say. Um, yeah, but year one I wasn't two. using a guide, so, you know, it was, oh, it was infinitely <laughs> shorter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely longer than um, in year three. So, in year four... Uh, Manny, Glottis and Meche have finally arrived at the gate of the Ninth Underworld but as everyone has had their tickets stolen nobody is able to move on and what is more Glottis has fallen deathly ill as he has not been performing the task for which he is summoned to drive fast following another puzzle and some help from the demons at the terminus Manny, Glottis and Meche are sent back to El Maro on a rocket powered cable car in order to revive Glottis and to retrieve the stolen double end tickets so that the dead may finally pass into the ninth underworld as our heroes approach Rupakava, Glottis awakes from his slumber and, in a panic, shakes the cable car loose, stranding them in Rubakava. Only one way to progress, they must retrieve the bone wagon, but first they must disarm the booby trap that someone has placed on it. So it's pretty obvious when you find the bone wagon in the, the garage who has set up this booby trap, because there's a bomb at the back of the car that's triggered by a room full of dominoes that is set to stack over, so it's it's obvious that at some point before leaving Rubicava back in year two Domino had booby trapped the bone wagon because we haven't used it since the end of, of uh, year one. I was really pleased at this point when we arrived back in Rubicava because because that's where you spend all of year two and year two was by far my favourite part of the game. I thought great we're back here um, but then it's very empty there's nobody there. Yeah you go back to the blue casket um, which is where you did which, the uh, poetry like recitals and things, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the poetry slam. Um, and it's completely empty. 
I don't. I don't think I even bothered wandering up to um, the area we didn't actually mention when we were talking about year two. The the main attraction of Rubicaba, which is a racetrack where giant cats race each other, <laughs> um, still haunted by like you know the the uh, the, the double act of the uh, the good got the good ticket man and the bad ticket man that are just yeah. practically yes. invisible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we also did mention when we were talking about that the bit where you have to retrieve. Um, something that's been dropped into the the pen where the cats are kept, oh. um, and in that pen there's giant tins of cat food and a massive yes. cat litter tray um, with beautifully rendered cat turds. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, we don't get to spend much time in this area. You have to again, not at all obviously, go and steal the bottle of uh, the, the, the ship in the bottle from the harbour master's area fill it with some rancid water and then feed it to Glottis telling him that it's some sort of lemonade <laughs> Glottis drinks it and then goes and gets some more drinks too much and then throws up all over the domino puzzle and then you have to go back to the um, the little shack where the tattoo artist is and steal some liquid nitrogen yeah. in order to freeze the vomit okay. and then you can walk over the dominoes and disarm the bomb because of course again that makes absolutely <laughs> perfect sense it's totally logical but yeah then you you, you after a all too brief stay in Rupakava again you managed to retrieve the bone wagon and then proceed back to um, to El Maro where you started the game and the entire city has changed it's now a basically a mafia run city and it's all it's all gone a bit Las Vegas there's yeah giant neon signs and uh, on the roof of the office uh, the depart of the Department of Dead there's now this huge light up sign of reclining woman with one leg that keeps on going up and down And uh, oh yeah that's right because we've already done the grind a bit now haven't we because um, oh yeah no, that's that's right at the beginning of that area yeah, isn't yeah, it so yeah. that you, that's where you kind of get an update from Salvador and one of these um, oh, yes. henchmen <laughs> has obviously been found out and been discovered and he you know, perspires and how, how, how they turn into flowers, well, he, don't they? they he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, we haven't really talked about this. It's, it's yeah. how it's, it's how they get around the the um, the problem of how do you kill someone who's already dead? <laughs> and in this world, they have these guns that fire what looks like little carrots yeah. um, or that cause. Or yeah, little carrot darts that cause the, the, the skeletons to sprout and they'll just start <laughs> decomposing and growing flowers and that's how the dead die. And it's really quite peaceful. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's very pretty. Um, there's a bit in year two where you find there's an area where there's a basically like a, a guy who works in the morgue who is uh, fishing around these sprouted bodies to try and find their their identities and um, yeah when you're, you're reunited with the resistance and one of the fighters comes in and he's been shot and yeah. he's starting to sprout so Salvador cuts off the top half of his body so all he's got <laughs> left is his head the top of his ribcage and one arm um, which leads to that brilliant scene a little bit later on where you you uh, find him in the casino <laughs> yeah. and he's disguised himself by sitting, he's putting his what's left <laughs> of his torso on top of a unicycle which he's used manoeuvring with the one arm he's got and then he's put a big brown overcoat over the top of it to try and look inconspicuous <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know he, yeah. He, doesn't like, he doesn't let a little thing like having no legs stop him from no. being you know, part of the resistance no. <laughs> anything for the cause no. um but yeah, that's where we come across that puzzle you were, you were referring to, the, the bone crusher thing. And it's there's some sort of stage show going on, and you have to 
steal a coffee pot, climb up a ladder, pour some coffee on these two actors that are below <laughs> to make them run away, and then you can go into the dressing room, get Manny's face painted so he's in disguise, and then there's a, a an ice crusher on the top of a ladder which is used to make snow, and you take the other arm of this guy who was who was shot, uh, and then put that in the crusher so that then you can make it sprinkle bone dust. Yeah, yeah which comes in handy later yeah. in another yeah. hellish section. But there's some brilliant oh humour yeah. with the puzzles like um you were saying back at the casino where you get like a you know the torso man to climb up inside the machine so he can yeah. rig yeah. it. Yeah it's brilliant. Yeah is this the one where you can meet the crocodile as well? Yeah that's yes. what I mean yeah oh later God, on you have to puzzle. use the bone crusher to um uh, is it to kind of like entice the crocodile out? I can't even remember. All I know is that it's, when it yeah. moves you, you have um, to do it, don't you? If you basically what is is, is you, you need to go into a labyrinth, and in order for Manny to be able to keep a track of where he's gone, he uses the bone crusher to drop sprinkled bone in puddles, which then sprouts flowers. Well, it's not flowers; <laughs> it, it turns green, yeah. so that he can keep an eye on where he's been. And then you go in there with Glottis in the um, in the bone wagon to try and pursue a, a florist who's run away, so that you can get some uh, get a gun and some ammunition. Yeah. That's it, because you've but, had to go in. Although you already were in the kind of extra garb makeup, you had to then put on a suit. There was a whole like side <laughs> section, wasn't there? About yeah. um, who is it that comes with you? Is it Meshe that helps you to uh, lure? Yeah, it is isn't it? He, she helps yeah, you yeah. lure this kind of like I don't know wealthy guy into a toga, so then you can wear his suit, and he just, yeah. he just looks hilarious in it <laughs> with the makeup and everything. It's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, what's brilliant? Twisting, you know, we talked about the the dead day with um, flowers. Yeah, actually, one of the key characters in Chapter 4 is a florist who is a weapons expert and is not particularly pleased to be a weapons expert. No, <laughs> yeah. no. And he's very cowardly as well. Well, you guess that was a weird sequence as well. So you, when you finally get past the monster, which was another... Pain in the arse. Again, <laughs> I swear the game was broken then. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't get it to work either. So you get the hydraulics, you... you you go to stand up against this crocodile monster in the tunnel. You make the bone wagon raise up on its hydraulic because, of course, it's got hydraulic suspension on it. Um, and then climb out, walk along a, a walkway, start to go down the ladder, and then go up so the crocodile will turn down, round, and then lower the bone wagon so that it crushes the crocodile's tail. And then which you can't do whilst you're on the ladder. Nope. And also, the game keeps auto running you back <laughs> yep. to the bone wagon, so. <laughs> you just can't do it even if mm -hmm. so then the crocodile just turns back around the other way and then if you don't move the bone wagon far enough you can't even get onto the ledge yep. so oh, and again was that was nightmare. another one even with the guide I, I I was banging my head against the wall trying to solve that puzzle it's it's so finicky and, and, and precise with what you have to do with controls that are not designed for for precise um, movement and, and precise, you know, input like that. It did. It, it, yeah, I, I think that's that's really a key point. So I, I think actually, from talking to you both, you've made me realise that I enjoy the game far more than possibly um, I felt like I did when I was experiencing it. But that yeah. that really is almost like the deal breaker. I think you're, you're not given almost the finesse in control like you're not really given mm. the right tools for the job no. in certain puzzles during the game and I find that so frustrating and I, I guess you you can give it a pass because of the historical significance like we've previously described in the intro of what you know the, the game represents you know a significant entry in gaming and I understand the plaudits it's received 
but playing it now yeah there's certain parts that really haven't aged mm. well or, or at least they didn't for me and they, they really mm. did sour some I mean, of the experience we'll, for we'll come to the issue of controls later but <laughs> you try it with tank controls <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> I didn't, uh, yeah, I like the fact that w- when you looked at the trophies, the the, the trophy for that was um, play the game with tank controls. Mm. Tim insisted we put this in. Was the the name of the description for that particular trophy? He's such a sadist. <laughs> but um, yeah, that w- that was another weird little one. Once you get past the crocodile and you get to the florists, um, you open the door and the little ringer on the door has been muffled with a ball of wool, and he won't. You can't interact with him until, and if this, this isn't obvious at all, an- another one is yeah, you have to yeah. get your scythe out, cut the ball of wool off, leave the shop, come back in so that yes. the bell rings, yeah. and then it's like his brain resets, and he's like, "Oh, I've got a customer. Hey, what would you like?" I, uh, well, no, like he doesn't recognise you, does he? Yeah. So, like, when you go in without doing that, I think he does know it's Manny, doesn't he? Yeah. Whereas if you go back in after just, you know, you haven't changed or anything no. like that, no. he suddenly can't see through your disguise. Yeah, it's, it was a, another weird little puzzle. Um, but if I'm honest, that, that, like I said, by this point, I wasn't following the story <laughs> and I was definitely head down, let's rush to the end. <laughs> so you get the gun and some ammo and then you're able to um, to, to go and find the, 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 the yeah. real double end tickets. And you have a, a showdown with um, Hector, who is this, yeah. this big crime lord who has been behind the whole conspiracy. And you... Uh, you, oh yeah, but before that, you get that weird exchange yeah. with the guy in front of the lift, and uh, you have to like use the numbers or something that are behind you. <laughs> oh my as the god! Correct answer, oh but he, sa- god, but he yeah. says they're wrong anyway. Oh. Like, he says they're wrong no matter what, what one you use. It was just like it wasn't even that wasn't even something that a guy could help you with. Yeah, so you go and speak to the guy on the lift to be able to get to Hector's office, and you have to prove that you know him. So oh. the guard will ask you a question. And the question will, the answer to the question will be a number. And on the board behind, you can see a series of numbers. And one of those numbers will be the answer to the question. But it's not obvious at all which one it is. It's just trial and error. He's got to keep trying. <laughs> and he keeps changing the question every time. And the numbers keep changing every time. So you keep trying over and over and over again until you get it right. I think I finally got it. It was like, how many limousines does Hector have in his garage? And I just went, oh, God, I don't know, five. And he went, oh, okay. But that was an easy one. I was like, finally, I've done this bloody... <laughs> this bloody puzzle yeah that was um, that particular one was well we said it about quite a lot of them but that puzzle was just trial and error yeah I mean he, I think it almost just wants you to exhaust the dialogue tree yeah. and then he just sort of like says oh okay go on then up you go yeah and then uh, there's actually quite a funny exchange where you're trying to um, what is it you're trying to coerce a couple to take the deal that, that Hector's going to give them about mm. you know how they can uh, get through the land of the undead and uh, and then was it yeah do you want I want to start talking about Manny says I want to start talking about my problems and they're just not interested it's just, that's actually got again quite well written and then um, obviously because you've done him a favour isn't it Hector tries to befriend you and says stick around um, again because none of them re- can see I mean that's yeah. what I find amazing none of them can really see uh, Manny's disaffection or they somehow don't think that's going to be a barrier f- to buy well, him he, off he doesn't know that it's Manny yeah, because yeah. Manny's still in, in disguise oh of so course yeah, yeah he gives yeah, him yeah. a job at the Department of Dead and sets him up in Manny's old office not knowing that it's Manny so that then you go to to finally leave with the double end tickets and get double crossed by um, Olivia Olivia yeah you get double crossed by Olivia and find out that she has 
uh, she has cut off the head of Salvador, the leader of the uh, of the resistance, who's still quite chipper, actually, considering he's just a head. So uh, you you get intercepted just as about you're about to leave and have to go and, and track down uh, the big boss at his greenhouse hideaway somewhere out in the countryside, where all the sprouted bodies have been disposed of because it's just a field of flowers. Um, and Salvador reveals that he has kind of like a cyanide capsule hidden in a tooth, but it's one of those sprouting agents, so that when uh, um, oh, Olivia picks up his head, he bites down on the tooth, and he sprouts and she sprouts as well. And then you proceed onto the greenhouse to go and have a showdown. No, but even then, it's not over. Because then you've got to because because you can't you can't proceed from that point. It's like, oh my god, what have I got to do now? Um, <laughs> and you have but to that's go quite and- good in the initial showdown because you think you're going to get the typical. Uh, Bond villain monologue yeah. where he just shoots him, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he <laughs> even says it. He says like uh, he shoots him, and he says like this is going to take a long time to work. This is just, I haven't got any of the fast acting sprouting agent, uh, so this will so you'll take a long time to die. And Manny says, "Are you going to tell me your plan?" And he just says, "No." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Manny gets shot, and you manage to save yourself by using some of the liquid nitrogen you still got left over to freeze the sprout and. And pluck yeah, it off. that yeah. worked well. I liked how they, uh, like, they kind of realised that graphically, and it kind yeah. of makes that satisfying yeah. ching as you like, you know, break it off yourself. Yeah, yeah. But then that whole sequence of you, so you find out that uh, there's some, there's a gun in the back of the car, uh, but the key to the boot is on Salvador's body, which is hidden behind the greenhouse. And then it doesn't tell you what you're supposed to do at that point. And then I finally figured out that it was opening up the briefcase and finding his yeah. ticket. Because it's revealed earlier in the game that these double-end tickets will actively try and seek the person that they've been assigned to. So you take the ticket and go behind the greenhouse and then use it almost like as a metal detector to try and find his body. Mm. Get the key, go back to the car, get the gun. And then you walk up to the greenhouse and think you're going to have a shootout, but... That, I think that shootout can go on for as long as you want and they just keep missing each other and then at that point I was like I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here again so again I had to go to the guide and then find out that you're supposed to go and shoot the sprinkler system yes. for the greenhouse with the sprouting agent which will cause this agent to, sp- to sprinkle all over inside the greenhouse and then and then kill um, Hector. Hector yeah and then kill yeah. Hector because I couldn't even get it to shoot the uh you know, whatever it is, would you say it's like the water tower or yeah, the um, the, the 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 pump for the sprinkler system? That's it. Um, yeah, it just wouldn't do it. It just yeah. wasn't doing anything. It wasn't shooting it out at all. He was just adding that loop of dialogue. Whatever Manny says when he pulls the gun out, I can't remember yeah. what it is. That's all it kept doing. Yeah. Don't you remember? You, Frustrating. You're, <laughs> you also meet the guy in the coffin again, don't you? Oh, oh yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back and he's, in, um, he's really year angry. Three, I think that's uh, uh, no, it's a year th- no, it's year it's year four. It's right yeah. near the beginning. Oh, we, we, and also you meet the um, the little worshippers of Glottis, don't you? That's yeah. that's some fantastic dialogue. <laughs> the little yeah. demons who worship Glottis. Yeah, yeah. You find the guy um, from the very the right at the very beginning. Not not Celso, the grumpy little dude. Yeah, um, Bruno Martinez. That's his name. You find him in when you go to find Glottis when he's fallen off the edge. Uh, right at the very beginning of the year 
and he's there in his coffin and he's furious that he spent four years in a coffin with nothing to read but a uh, uh, a novelty mug that, that Manny gave him at the very beginning <laughs> uh, you actually have to use end up using that mug in part of one of the puzzles that I, I can't remember it's where you yeah, thought it was too, costly um, it's you you put it away, don't you, in the kitchen? Yeah. And then he gets yes. a rag and puts it in the toaster or something like. Oh yeah, you soak it in oil and then stick it in the toaster yeah. to yeah, cause. Yeah. And then that's the fire. that's the fuel that you can use to power the, Ball you know, like the new the new supercharged uh, the cable uh, car vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you finally defeat the big boss, uh, uh, the, 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 the antagonist, the guy who's been behind the whole conspiracy, and proceed on with the double end tickets back on the, the number nine train, which uh, it's back at the beginning of the game, is revealed that it takes four minutes to reach the ninth gate rather than the four years that it would take to walk, or uh, the four years that it's taken Manny to get there as well. Um, and you playing it. Yeah, gosh. and four bloody years to play it, it felt, yeah. Four years. <laughs> more like 40 honestly it felt like 40 hours definitely yeah. so yeah uh, Manny and Meche find the real double end tickets including the one that Meche should have received and uh, Manny makes sure the rest of the tickets are given to their rightful owners and in turn he is granted a ticket for his own good deeds and they manage to proceed on to the ninth gate but unfortunately Glottis can't follow because he's he's not a denizen really of the land of the dead he's, he's a an elemental spirit who is he says various points that he's a, he's a land spirit and complains when they're uh, when they they spend a section of year three at the bottom of the ocean that he's not supposed to be there. He's a land spirit, and so Glottis can't proceed. And there's a uh, a comic but also quite heartfelt goodbye between uh, between Manny and Glottis because Glottis yeah. is a great character. He's ridiculously over the top and loud and brash, but I kind of loved him as well. Yeah, that, and that's really well written as, as well. It's it's actually extremely positive. Yeah. Um, so it, although it can potentially be downbeat, um, they, it's not over sentimentalized at all. And if anything, you're quite happy for Glottis. Like he, you know, he is the happiest and probably the most prosperous he's, he's been like in the yeah. entire game. Yeah, he's been on a good adventure. He's got a um, a little group of worshippers now that he's found at the, <laughs> the terminus where the ninth gate and. Uh, yeah, it was and also nice he, li- he likes it there, doesn't he? He that's, does. I think yeah, that's the key difference. He isn't trying to escape. And so, yeah, the, the the train proceeds on through the gate, and I'm kind of I, w- I was expecting them to show what was on the other side, but I'm kind of glad they didn't. I'm kind of glad that it just kind of it just ends there. They proceed on through to the final resting place beyond the the ninth gate of the underworld, and uh, roll credits. You can count them if you want. They're all here. How about yours? The company gave me one on the other end. Sort of a retirement present. And, uh, demons ride free, right? Aw, oh, man, you know I can't go with you. I'm a spirit of the land and all that. I can't ever leave this world. I guess I got so wrapped up in saving people, I just assumed I'd be able to save you too. Yeah, but I don't need to be saved. I like it here. I'm not all alone in that basement anymore, thanks to you. I got a new job and all these new friends. I'm a big demon success story. So, I guess this is it then. Come here, give me a hug. (laughs) You were the best boss I ever had. Bye.
When we get to the next world... What is it, Angel? Are we going to be together? You know, sweetheart, if there's one thing I've learned, it's this. Nobody knows what's going to happen at the end of the line. So you might as well enjoy the trip. just have a sigh of relief and, oh my god you know yeah. put it away i had a good time with it but never to be played again yeah <laughs> yeah um like i was saying to you guys off air i uh i looked through the trophies uh and i was never going to platinum it because one of the trophies was the one for playing through the game on the tank controls but i missed out a lot of trophies for incidental things like i i, I i'd missed one right near the beginning for not Interacting with the hole punch on the secretary's desk. Oh, I did that. In order to make that trophy pop and a few other conversational ones and whatnot. Um, and I've got no intention of going back and and, and <laughs> yeah. doing those. Like, I'm really glad I played it. I don't want to play it again in a hurry. No. I went looking through my trophy list. I think I did get like about half. Yeah. But the, all of those conversational ones, I even noticed that they got you know, few and far between the longer into the game I went. So yeah. unpopped, unlocked them all on like the first year and then like a few on the second, then none, third, fourth year, <laughs> just as I was like completely rushing through it. So yeah, I, I don't know. I feel overall, I hope somehow between the three of us, we have kind of conveyed that there is fun to be had. I, I feel like I've actually been much more positive about the game than the I feared I might be um, so it's definitely a good opportunity having to be able to talk to you both about it because it has kind of slightly realigned possibly like my score of it or my kind of you know estimation of it overall I, I think it just needs to have some of those disclaimers up front so people kind of know what they're getting into yeah I suppose missed. we can we can cover the, 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 the negatives because there are there's only really two big mm. negatives um there are well three if you decided to play with tank controls and if you did that then you did it, you did it to yourself you've got no one to blame but yourself unless you're a trophy hunter um, the controls on all of the puzzles aside from how difficult the puzzles could be the actual controls could be very finicky and very precise and you're having yeah. to stand in specific positions in order to interact with certain uh environmental you know uh, interactive puzzles or interact with various characters and you have to stand in this specific spot and you don't know where it is unless you just move around just hammering on the x button until you finally find the right place you're supposed to be in um the only other really big one was the puzzles but given this the sort of game it is that is the vast majority of the gameplay yeah by a long way um Aside from conversational stuff, but the conversational stuff isn't. There's no. There's not really a gameplay element in this. No. Either. This is the thing that I wanted to talk about: is the way that adventure games, specifically the Telltale model adventure games, have diverged from classic point-and-click adventure games. You're still moving characters around these worlds and interacting with them with you know various bits and pieces and trying to complete puzzles, but. In Telltale games, and I've come. This is coming off the back of having played through the season one of um, The Wolf Among Us um, within the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, those games don't really put the emphasis on the puzzles. The puzzles no. are very simple. Mm. Um, on the whole, there are a couple in the first season, of Walking Dead, which I found quite 
complicated, but nowhere near on this level. The big difference in that is the conversational stuff. So, uh, whereas in the Grim Fandango, you can exhaust every single conversational option with every single character if you want, and it doesn't make any bearing on the story. There are no branching storylines depending on what choices you make in conversations. There's no branching storylines at all. There is a set story. And so you can explore every piece of dialogue there possibly is in that game. And I'm very thankful for that because the dialogue is incredibly well written and the story is great and the voice acting is, is really good and it is genuinely laugh out loud funny at, at moments. Um, but modern adventure games tend to put more emphasis on the puzzles themselves are the conversational elements rather than interact with, with these this particular item at this particular point in the world yeah. and if you don't use the right combination then it's not you can't proceed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they are much easier. I mean I think yes. that's one of yeah. the great appeals of those telltale games that I, I, I think that's where they would lend themselves far more to someone who was trying to get back into games or someone who possibly hadn't played you know maybe it's like a generation or two behind uh, in terms of like the hardware and they wanted to have a go at playing something again I, I feel that they are much you know they are achievable like anyone really who chooses to start The Walking Dead or The Wolf Among Us etc can play those games through to the end Yeah. whereas this you're right because it's the <laughs> gameplay is the puzzling it's almost like you've got to be prepared to get over that hump or cheat you know use a guide I don't yeah. I don't know I don't know you know, unless you're particularly patient, methodical, or you've got some mm. familiarity with these games from you know yesteryear, I, I think the challenge will be substantial. You know, they're they're almost at total different ends of the the difficulty scale. Yeah. Whilst they're obviously mm. very you know intimately tied within the same genre. It does involve a lot of exploring, doesn't it? So yeah. You are having. I mean, I remember that first chapter. You having you leave your offices to go speak to a balloon man to go upstairs to go to the roof. It does involve a lot of exploring, and um, I, I never noticed it myself because I remember because I was using the guide. But there are little hints where Manny will look at items. Yes. It, yeah. Yes. So he will give you hints that oh, there's an item here or there's something that you should be aware of. So there's little guys like that, but. You're right in terms of, I mean, you know, getting a balloon to scare pigeons and it's got to be cut. It, it's, I don't know, it, it takes a certain type of mind um, to leap to those conclusions to go from A to B to C to D. It's almost like you go from A to F to, you know, to H and then you can jump straight to W or something. How you proceed with the logic of the puzzles mm. yeah and that that would appeal to some gamers i'm sure yeah. you know so that that's why i kind of got to be aware of my own shortcomings in that my experience with the game won't be everyone's and there will be people who have got that resilience but also um they're not playing it to a deadline although we had a really generous kind of deadline for us in in regards to this we played it over you know a number of weeks the fact is i guess yes yeah, somebody else in isolation they, they could take as long as they wanted so it probably wouldn't be as much of a stress or a bind if they're spending a lot of time in the same area whereas i think i i felt i wasn't making progress a lot of the time yeah. until i decided to adopt the andy approach of just <laughs> using the guide yeah well that's another um another way that it diverges from well that modern specifically Telltale Adventure Games diverge from that is the fact that in uh, the Grim Fandanga you've got 
these gigantic areas. Like the entirety of year two, apart from a couple of moments, is just mm. one huge area. It's the entirety of Rubicava, and he's moving around it all over the place trying to solve these puzzles. Whereas Telltale Games will take you through specific shorter scenes and you're in a smaller area for a shorter amount of time before the story mm. moves you on to the next area. So you don't have these huge environments that you're having to trawl around trying to find the next piece of equipment you need to, pr- to progress the story. Yeah, I suppose uh, it's that nature of game modern gaming where, where I think in the late 90s, you may have been not so much, you didn't have to almost keep the gamers attention so much you know if we yeah. if we look at it today you can so much to take the attention away from something if you get frustrated with something you can put that away and you can put something into your playstation xbox pc or whatever and get on quite merrily with that you know you, you, we're almost living in that cod generation where the patience is short-lived and the attention span if it becomes too frustrating for I'm not for not for some people, then they'll just move on. Whereas, yeah, I think that's a really good point. That about idea about the resilience, like you're saying, not just the concentration span, but yeah. we're not necessarily sometimes willing to suffer through the resilience needed to to push through what is you know inverted commas a difficult game. So yeah, yeah no, I think you're right, Andy. The, the pure patience, but there, there is still a market for this sort of game. I mean, yeah. Machinarium wasn't that long ago, and there's other games like Botanicula, which are. Uh, this similar sort of very difficult, although not quite as difficult, puzzle-based point-and-click adventure games, and there is still this sort of game being made, and there's still an audience well, for it. Well, of course, yeah, you know, yeah, Broken yeah. Age, you know, yeah, you know Broken Age, that, of course. Um, yeah. Double Fine, you know, did the Kickstarter, and they, the whole thing was that they wanted to try and bring back the more old-fashioned style mm. of, of point-and-click um, puzzle games. So, no, I'm really pleased, you know, that that it's had. I mean, I don't. I haven't looked at the sales figures and things like that. But the simple fact that they've brought this to market in a remastered version mm. and uh, the tentacle, there, mu- you know, there's clearly is a market for. It, and I'm pleased yeah. that, you know, that that continues and it endures because it does give more variety to the, you know, the gaming diet, so to speak. Mm. So I, I, I don't begrudge it at all. Um, I just think I, I wish, um, in some respects, we could have had a bit more kind of like community interaction because I'd have liked to just generally got an idea, get an idea of how other people got onto it you know got on with it did they start it and just think oh god no you know this this is just too you know difficult or is it more that the majority say oh no it's a classic you know I've got great um, fondness for it and I was able to kind of like sail through it it's just an interesting thing how I think it will be different things for different people no I mean it must have sold quite a bit because David, like you say David Tentacles out came out this month um, and the one that were and Broken Age is getting a part two, isn't it as well? You know, it's already got part it's already two. I think part two. Oh, right. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. That was on PS Plus uh, a while ago, and I, uh, I uh, episode one was, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'll hold hands and say I didn't play it, but um, I sat and watched my girlfriend play a bit of it, and um, I don't think I'll be going back and playing that again. It, it, I, I really enjoyed the, from what I saw, the the art style and, and the way it was written and the, the the witty dialogue and the characters, but it's that same sort of obtuse um, puzzle. Uh, really obscure way to solve these puzzles that I don't. I just don't think I enjoy it anymore. Uh, I used to, and I just I think I've, my tastes mm. have moved on. It, when you're using the guide, you play it through for the story. If you enjoy the story, enjoy the characters, and we really come to the positives in a bit. But the story is so unique 
the character design is so unique. The, the mishmash of what the themes and you know the noir mixed in with the Mexican, the Aztec style, the Day of the Dead, is so unique. In it was unique then in the 1998s. It's even more unique today. You know where you could say it's, some designs are very bland, but it's almost worth playing through the story. If you can't play through the story. I expect you can find the whole playthrough on YouTube and without that frustration you will get a lot out of it. I, I, I would say that because we've been, been ragging on that the, the puzzles uh, uh, and the, the general difficulty and how obscure solving these puzzles are but I would still definitely recommend playing it and I'm really glad I played through it again mm. and I won't be going back to it anytime soon but I won't rule out going back and playing it again in the future because the story... Uh, and the setting, like you were saying, how uh, it is very unique. I've got to say, like when I first played through this back um, in early 2000, I think it was 2000 that I played through it. I hadn't at that point discovered really film noir um, as a genre. Um, so this might have been one of my first interactions with that style of storytelling and I don't know whether this has anything to do with the fact that it's mm. now one of my favourite genres of cinema um, yeah that's that's really interesting because I think you, f- you forget that uh, you know gaming can be a medium that does introduce you to things that you yeah. then go on to discover elsewhere because of course I didn't play it back then so I didn't I haven't got that um, that kind of like personal resonance with the title but I can I can see how that would be really appealing then yeah and it's it's very wittily written the voice acting is is fantastic Um, there are some it's funny all the way through but there are some moments where I was I don't usually laugh out loud when I'm playing a game on my own even if it has got some very witty moments but there were a few a few points during this where where um my girlfriend came in and just wanted like what the hell what the hell's going on here because I was cracking up at something that had happened in the game the art direction is is brilliant the music we haven't really touched on the music but it's a lovely mix of sort of classic film noir music with uh, sort of um, Mexican, Cuban sort of uh, uh, um, Latino music as well uh, and then also there's a particular piece of music that that plays the first time you're out and about mm. in the, the, the bone wagon <laughs> Is that the bit that plays where there's almost like a Clockwork Orange-esque um, visual reference, you know, the way that the camera angle was shot with the the bone crusher just like flying out to the screen and the way that um you know obviously glottis is hanging out of the vehicle it just yes it just really reminded me of like obviously all of the uh, the thugs um of the, i can't I remember their names now is it is it, is it the droogs yeah um, Clock, orange yeah is that is that the same you mean yeah it's like this cacophonous kind of noise yeah, well it's the uh it's specific it's the, the first bit when you're uh, racing to mm. go and collect mercedes the first time and you overtake domino who's already <laughs> way there and the music that's playing is kind of like surf music it's almost like that (laughs) song that plays in um pulp fiction oh right it's a very like surf style music like uh there's a there's a real meshing of different genres of music but it's mainly the sort of classic brooding film noir style music with like more lively mexican and cuban style music as well yeah, and there's definitely like an air of cool to the game where, yeah. you know, if you just leave yeah. money for periods of inactivity, <laughs> he just gets his cigarette out and, you know, casually smokes it and stuff. Even when you're at the bottom of the ocean. 
Because <laughs> there was that bit where you were waiting for that character to come around and I just sat there, didn't move him around. And yeah, he just lights up a cigarette at the bottom of the scene and starts smoking it. <laughs> I don't know whether that was an oversight or not. Yeah, so I, I think because possibly I thought I might enjoy the gameplay more because I, I ignorantly possibly I, I did consider myself a bit of a point and click adventure guy and uh, you know I'd played some in the past and love all the Telltale games and things like that yeah I, I, I think because I found that much more of a grind than I was used to or expecting it really did put me off the game in some respects but yeah now having kind of talked it through on the show I, I can't just completely disavow it as like a not fun experience mm. so uh, you know just leave it on the table for people to kind of make their minds up and, and I, I would say yeah it's worth just giving a try because even in that first year um, yeah. you know the first chapter you are going to be able to know by that end whether you want to carry on playing the game or not yeah and you know how much have you really lost because like andy was saying he picked it up relatively cheaply yeah. we got it on ps plus and it's on yeah. multiple platforms so you know you can you can play it up through on a variety of platforms. You can pick it up dirt cheap, and yeah. you can play like there is there is no problem with playing through with a guide because the guide won't spoil the story. And if you just yeah. want to play it th- it's through for the story. story, it's well, I mean, it's one of those that doesn't need a sequel. It's self-contained. Everything pays off. So all the stuff that happens in chapter one, it sort of all ties up at the end of you know within chapter four. So there's no no loose ends to this story. You know, the music is brilliant. It's it's I mean the remastered version's got an orchestra, so they've reorchestrated it. Yeah. Um the art direction's brilliant, the diff the mishmash of themes. I mean yep. if you are a lapsed gamer, this you might have been this might be one of your original games that you took a fancy to or you might have noticed it because of the like I said, the unique art style, the unique character. And if you're coming back to it, it's still unique. It amongst today's market you know in terms of its whole story and the art design and money I mean it, it's, it's death yeah he's a travel agent he's the grim reaper but a travel <laughs> so, agent yeah <laughs> yeah so with all that you know and <laughs> forget the puzzles and everything go out and enjoy the story I'm gonna give it a heartly big heart heartly recommendation yeah and I'd say if, like we, we've talked about how difficult it can be but because you can play, you can save the game at any point. If you remember. It may take a while. If you <laughs> yeah. remember, and yes, it does take a while to save because it insists on uploading your save to the cloud so that you can play it across various platforms, mm. at least on PlayStation. I don't know how it works on on mobile devices or on uh, PC and, and Mac and Linux. Um, but you can save it at any point when you're not in dialogue or not in a cutscene. So you can play in as the smaller chunks or as longer chunks as you want. You can play it completely on your own and try and hammer through those puzzles or you can play it with a guide i will say even with a guide a couple of the puzzles will still cause trouble like the the one we were talking about with the lining up the locks on the safe crocodile and the the crocodile and things like that you will still have issues with it there are still mechanical problems but overall it's such a unique game uh, and such a unique story and it's such a, a, a an unusual meshing of genres and, and, and ideas that I'd say that if, if it's your sort of thing, if point and click adventures are your sort of thing then you kind of owe it to yourself to play it if you haven't already because it is it is. I think it's, it's it deserves its reputation as um, like a, a cornerstone of, of the uh, point and click adventure genre 
and it was it's a perfect example of, of LucasArts when they were at the height of their powers if if you loved stuff like Monkey Island and games like that then you should definitely try it out I think it's full credit to uh, mm. Tim Schafer and Sony for bringing yeah. it back to people's attentions you know they have made a real effort to go after these games and look at what people really want the classics and bring them to the platform I mean this time did Sony did insist it was going to be a console exclusive for them but full credit to them yep and yeah. uh, I think rather bizarrely actually I think at some point in the time I will play Broken Age and I will try um, Day of the Tentacle because mm. that's another you know significant title that I was aware of growing up but I never actually played through so I think I would give that one a go mm. yeah and I'd recommend Machinarium as yes, well yeah because um, that's actually quite cheap I think isn't it on PSN yeah. and Steam and places like that yeah I'd, I played through on PC I'd recommend playing it on PC because it's a lot of having the mouse there too it's, it's, it's all done in a 2D sort of art style and it's a lot of clicking on little parts of the environment to try and find out what it is you're trying to be picking up I'd recommend playing that on PC but uh, that's, that's another one that I'd recommend if you're a fan of the genre okay and we've uh, we've got some um, useful cool. links that we'll we'll try and remember to put on the uh, Facebook group or post for the episode mm. uh, just some nice contextual information about you know looking back on Grim Fandango and uh, you know how it kind of mm. reached its release as a remastered game and uh, also the yeah. guide <laughs> the most important the guide that we yes. all used <laughs> and that's all from Eurogamer so thank you very much <laughs> yeah and yeah. the like I mentioned earlier that the uh, YouTube series on the Double Fine channel uh, uh, covering the making of the, the remastered version as well it's definitely worth watching bound only by the paper thin wrapper of mortality a soul here lies struggling to be free and so it shall Thanks to a bowl of bad gazpacho and a man named Calavera. So, um, the next playlist game will be um, a Vita game. We seem to be love. We've got to give a Vita the love. Come on, it's Sony have abandoned well, it. It's a, it's a fantastic machine. Yeah. yeah, even if no one's got yeah. one. <laughs> I don't understand that. Like, I, yeah. I know. Well, I guess I know. Obviously, with uh, mobile and everything like that. But I'm, I'm still amazed that people uh, overlook it and think yeah. it's not an essential bit of kit because I really think it is yeah. <laughs> particularly for like lapse, lapse gamers because they're just convenience and the the instant library of stuff on there but anyway yeah, I suppose that's a topic for another show <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's get back off that tangent yeah, um, yeah just, it, it was a release game for the Vita it makes use of um, some of its features and, and it's to tie in with the new release of Uncharted 4 coming out in May and the game we'll be looking at is Uncharted Golden Abyss. So that's a triple A title is it for the it is a triple you, you know it's one of the tentpole ones. It's one of the yeah. big ones yeah one of the one of the few ones that I'd, I'd say are games that are, if you want to see like the, the power of the Vita because it is a lot more powerful than the, the 3DS um well at least the original 3DS if you want to see what the Vita can do it's one of those games that is definitely worth trying out well it's another one that's been on the game shelf collecting dust so I'm really <laughs> pleased to be given the motivation to play through it <laughs> yeah so if you were to join us um, and Nathan Drake um, we'd welcome any of your comments mp3s or even join us around the mic and um, come and guest with us and give us your thoughts yeah that'd be brilliant okay so we and we're giving like people a, a loose you know, a lot of time, isn't yeah, it, to play through we, it? So we're going to be, like, still in six weeks or, yeah, or so. It's so, you know. going to come out when... I mean, Uncharted 4 comes out May the 10th. So it, it'll, yeah, it'll yeah. be in May. So you've got loads of time. Brilliant. 
So we've had some uh, community feedback. Uh, Stuart Garrard of the Renaissance Men podcast. We'd like to thank him again for his glowing review of uh, Laps Gamer Radio on the UK iTunes store. Um, yeah, big shout out to Stuart. Yeah, He's been yeah. a really good supporter of us, and we really appreciate that. Yep. And uh, yeah, if you want to, if you'd like to, to leave us a review, then then please do so. Got a new listener, uh, Howard at Welsh Benno on Twitter. I wanted to thank him for his kind tweets uh, to the at Laps Gamer Twitter feed. Yep, chatting to him today about uh, you know Zoo Tycoon and, and <laughs> other other games, and yeah, no, really, you know, friendly gentleman. And I can't, you know, we're so indebted yeah. to the fact that you know it spurred him on, and he went and checked us out. And, uh, you know, he really pra- praised you guys for your uh, most recent episode. So that's fantastic yeah. that we're attracting new listeners. And uh, more than that, they're, they're getting, enge- you know, they're engaging with us. They are actually talking yeah. to us. Yeah, really nice guy. And repeated, it seems, guestic on episodes mm, yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> also like to, to thank Ryan Heyman again, our LGR alumni and uh, co-host over on the, the excellent Kana Ritz podcast for his recent extrasode report from uh, GDC this year. We'd also like to thank Arnold de Bock at uh, Arnold underscore Debock is a developer working on the upcoming Super Arcade Football, which can be found at, su- at Super Arcade FTBL on Twitter. We'd like to thank him for engaging with us on social media about this little Steam title coming in uh, early access in April. From what we've seen of the game in action so far, it's very reminiscent of Sensible Soccer and has some solid gameplay mechanics, but perhaps most prominent, promisingly of all, the community of testers and folk interested in the game who receives promo codes, that's uh, Stuart and Lee included in that, are uh, uh, being listened to in terms of feedback to improve the coding and development of the game so that's definitely one to watch out for yeah so I've only had a little bit of time with it so far but yeah it really is evocative of you know Sensi and also uh, it's, it's great that you know the developers being so kind of transparent and he's drive for feedback so if anyone is kind of like interested at all uh, in super arcade football then do hit uh, on and up on twitter because mm. it is really responsive to any comments or interest that you might show and i'm sure will stuart and i probably talk about that title more uh, in the coming weeks so a big uh, shout out and thanks to uh, to Stuart Neal at St. E. Stuart on Twitter. Um, say thanks to him to appearing now on, on two episodes back to back. Part of the team week. now. Yeah, he's definitely part of the team. He's one of us. <laughs> We've sucked it, him in. It. And um, our new friend Adam Ducker at Flameboy84. Uh, our very own. Yeah, yeah very strong team. debut. Yeah, yeah, he was great in the episode and, and uh, he's been very receptive to coming on the show again. So we've sucked yeah. him in and now there is no escape. That's it. Be warned, <laughs> if you come on the show, you're just going to get dragged in. We don't ever let you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you'd like to get in touch with us or send us any questions or suggestions or additional or new segments uh, that you'd like to us to implement or if you'd ever like to appear on the show, then you can reach us via email and uh, that's lapsgamerradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at lapsedgamer or on the Lapsed Gamer Radio Facebook page. And uh, if you are on Facebook, please do come along and add yourself to the uh LGR community so we've got that, that LGR Laps Game Radio uh, community Facebook group and uh, we're trying to get you know start up a few conversations on there and that's a good way for you to tell us what games you would like us to play for the playlist or um, you know just kind of like give us your uh, contributions for any topics that we might be able to read out on the show when we cover them you know stuff like that so you know just get involved uh, you can find podcast episodes to stream or mp3 download at our podbean web, web address that's uh, lapsgamerradio.podbean.com and also please be so kind as to subscribe and review Laps Gamer Radio on iTunes and you can check out our Laps Gamer YouTube channel for additional content I haven't actually uploaded anything to there for a while um, 
but I recently got hold of Trackmania Turbo on PS4, oh. and that game is very difficult to explain, so I'll upload some footage and you can see how absolutely crazy it is. <laughs> so let us know, yeah, uh, again, let us know if you'd like to be on a future episode with us, and thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Yep, thanks again to Andy for picking the game for us, uh, enjoy talking to you guys today, and thanks yeah. to listeners, of course, for listening, and see you again thanks, soon. Thanks guys, I've still survived, they haven't killed me off or fired me from the show, so they must have enjoyed it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> see you later. <laughs> see you later.